welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at impactatamazinglove at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to amazinglove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. And the problem with seeing everyone's highlight reel is that we become aware of err. Now that's what we're going to talk about, this err type of deal. So you're wondering, well, what is err? Let me describe what err is. So what is err? We're aware of the fact that there is new err. Let's say you got a new used car. Well, sometimes you can see on Facebook someone has a newer used car or even a new car, and now your new car isn't as new as the err as someone else has. Right? There is bigger. You thought your house was big. You thought your entryway was big. You thought your boat was big. But there is bigger that can be found if you're aware of it. I love this next one. There is a deer. And I have yet to upgrade to the 4K TV style, but someday I know it's out there, right? Or, or maybe, you know, you were content with your cell phone, but now you can find a cell phone that you can dump water on and you need one of those because that's practical. Right. But hd is out there and I want it. Or what about this? They're smarter. The verbiage people use, the school their kids go to, the school you graduated from, you just realize they're smarter. There's healthier. You know, you might be afflicted with chronic illness and everyone else seems to be enjoying life and you just recognize some people are just healthier. There's prettier. There's, there's a ton of errs out there. And here's the problem. Here's the principle. The awareness of err drives our discontent. It is awareness of what everyone else has that now makes what we have second class or not as good. It is awareness, again, that can so often drive discontent. I remember when this happened for me. Um, I grew up in a household doing chores. And it's still good to do chores. So we have chores going on. And, and one of my chores was uh, mowing the lawn and doing the string trimming. Mowing the lawn and doing the string trimming. Many times I would take like four hours, right? That's a lot to do. And I'd be happy that my mom, after a hard day of work, would take me to Dairy Queen and I would get a cherry dip cone. So it was vanilla and dipped in cherry. And, and this was my reward for mowing the lawn and doing the string chin. We go DQ. And I was good with DQ. Good feelings going on. But then I saw what my buddy got. See, my buddy also mows the lawn. You know, he gets $5. That buys a lot of dip cones. If I had that arrangement, I'd mow the lawn every day, right? But they had err, and I wanted err, and now my cherry dip cone didn't look as good as $5 anymore because I knew err was out there. I'm like, what's going on? You ever been experienced with err? Maybe it's seeing how the other side lives. And by the way, there's always an other side. There's always a richer side. And so you saw something fancier. You saw something gourmet-er. You saw something with more stars. And, and you experience that, and you're like, man, what I have ain't good anymore. 
And so you wanted some of that. You wanted to go back wherever that was. Because that ur, that was good. That fancy ur, that gourmet ur, that, that lifestyle ur, what, that was great. And in America, we specialize in the quest for ur. If we're honest with ourselves, maybe there is something, an ur out there that you want to be today. Maybe in this time of your life, you thought, man, I just would really like to be healthier. I want that ur. Man, at this time of life, I just want to be smart-er and graduate. I want to be talented-er because I just lost. I want to be rich-er. I want to have all more opportunities. And, and we're, we're, we're stuck smack in the, dibble, in the middle of this quest for-er. Can you relate with me? But it's interesting because er works both ways. We feel bad when others have positive er, but there is a preferred er out there. For example, let, let me get you the preferred er. We like it if others are slower than us at track meets, and shorter than us, conscious of that, and nerdier, and poorer, and this is a harsh one, older, right? So, so it works both ways because we feel good about ourselves when, when we have the errs over these categories. And what's up with that? Because the reality is we're all asking a couple questions. The reason we deal with errs. I believe we are all asking these questions, and, and, and here we go. How do I measure up? And am I doing okay? That's really what's beneath the surface. We're wondering, how do I measure up, and am I really doing okay? And to answer these questions, very honestly, we use the wrong metric. We are comparing ourselves to others and not finding the exact metric that will work. And maybe you've seen that this metric, this comparison thing, it's not working. But the quest for Ur is short-sighted. So we need to really ask, how, how do we answer these questions? What is the metric we use to answer how do I measure up and I, am I doing okay? And what I would permit to you is we don't answer them based on how our brother or sister is doing. Don't answer it based on how our coworkers are doing. Don't answer it based on how your neighbors are doing. Don't answer it what your mama thinks you should be doing. Don't answer it any of those ways. What we need to find is the real solution from here because what we know about comparison is something that Andy Stanley put so brilliantly I need to share with you. Andy Stanley, a a lot of these thoughts from him. He said this. He said when it comes to comparison, there is no win in comparison. Now I know we don't always like talking together, but we say this together. You ready? There is no win in comparison. That's what we got to be real with. We got to stop it. But how? But how? Well, today we get to learn from someone who didn't have er, but who had est. And this is Solomon. Solomon had est every, over everyone. He was the smart est. He was the rich est. He was the talented est. He had the most romance. He had all the est that we could ever imagine. He took the American dream and the pursuit for happiness to the nth degree that we can't even imagine when it comes to riches, when it comes to career, and when it comes to romance. And when it comes to his position at est, he looks at us in our, our quest for er. And we need to see what he says. So let's get into it. This is one of my favorite books of the Bible. This is a book of the Bible that honestly set my perspective free. 
This is a book that I'll go back to when I know I'm getting lost in the rat race of the world. This is a book that gives so much perspective if you would allow it. It's called Ecclesiastes. And the man with S tells us about everyone who's searching for earth. Let's read. Any worship folders, it says. And I saw that all toil and all achievements spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls of toil and chasing after the wind. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. But there was no end to his toil. And his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. This is a word that I believe can set us free if we hear it. May God so work in your heart, your life today as we consider these words. This past week I went to a pastor's conference and I heard an interesting story of a guy who grew up in Montana. This guy's father in Montana grew up during the Cold War and his father was an electrician. He was an electrician who made sure all the wiring was right for all the nuclear power hidden in Montana during the Cold War. And so he remembers how his father was part of the SALT talks. I'm not a history buff, but that stands for the Strategic Arms Limitation Talks. And he had to take Russian representatives to the remotest parts of Montana to show them how, again, the nukes were disarmed. And he, as a son at that time, was also shown where some of those nuclear powers were hidden in Montana. Now, the Cold War is an interesting thing, isn't it? It's a picture of how competition can lead countries against each other. And he actually told me that as Americans, we were failing in that race for competition, the race for arms. He said for every one nuke that we had, the Soviets had 11. And so again, we, we weren't even prepared. Both could have been wiped off the map, and that's crazy. We're familiar with competition in countries. Today, it's not about arms, but as we look to China, and we accuse Samsung, you know, of stealing Apple's intellectual uh, property. Now it's a competition for economy. Well, just as our countries are competitive and, and spur one another on, is it possible that that's what's happening in our own hearts? That we're struggling and we're striving all based on competition and envy. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. Solomon says, I saw that all toil, how much toil? What was it? All. And all achievement, how much achievement? All. Yep. Spring from one person's envy of another. Is it possible that right now you're caught up in doing things and buying things and going places, not even because you want to do it, but because you are just envious of another? This is really, really interesting. And if you haven't considered that maybe you're operating out of envy, I think it's a gut check time. It is possible that right now you are working so hard on a dangerous quest for herb. And you are sacrificing family values. And you are sacrificing what's truly important just because Ur is out there. And for some reason you're convinced you need Ur because someone else has Ur. The quest for Ur is dangerous. Many times we can go into debt on this quest for Ur. We can sacrifice what is important. Many times in our quest for Ur and propping ourselves up, we can be loveless. Trying to say we're better than someone else or have Ur over someone else. What we find is this. The quest for Ur 
it's often driven by envy. I marked it green. Did you see that? Green with envy? Anyway. Still with me. Good. Good. Oftentimes, it isn't even about that we need it. It isn't even about that we want it. It's just that someone else had Ur, and now we're convinced that somehow we need to go there. We need to buy that just because people have Ur, and my brother has Ur, and everyone else has Ur. This is very dangerous. You know, I was studying on this text, and do you know, this, this, this thing, envy, is the reason Jesus died? Let me tell you this story. Back in Jesus' day, Pontius Pilate was handed over Jesus. And he saw through their motives. He knew the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they were just mad that he had Ur. See, he was greater, and he was smarter, and he was more popular. And Pilate saw right through it. And he, and he sets up the scenario, trying to get Jesus free, but, but he sees their motives. He said, so when people gathered together, Pilate said, Whom would you like me to release for you? trying to get an innocent man free. Barabbas or Jesus who was called the Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy they had handed him over. See, envy is so ugly that it led to the death of Jesus. And I wonder this day, is envy still ugly? Let me give you one point in case that may prove why envy is ugly. And here it is. It's something that you would never admit to. It's something that after this sermon you're not going to talk about, but happens. It's the case where you know someone with Ur, and you're envious. And you hear of something bad happening to that person with her. And you would never say this, and you would never admit it, but inwardly there's a little bit of joy. There's a little bit of... Because you were jealous of their er, And you felt lesser because they had more. Does, can you relate and don't nod heads and anything? But, but what is with that? This is the ugly monster of envy. The ugly monster that, again, is driving us to sacrifice things and be loveless and go into debt all because we are green with envy, all because we are on this quest for Ur. And today is the day that I just hope God would give you a vision to see how ugly envy is. I hope God would kind of break your heart over what you're doing right now so that maybe you could be set free. So that maybe you could again strive for what's really important over the quest for earth. Today's the day, I believe, to repent of envy. If you're cut to the core, let's leave it at this place. Let's stop the comparison trap. Let's, let's say this is what it is. It's a sin. And let's lay it at the foot of the cross. Saying, I don't want it anymore. I want out of it. Well, if that's where your heart is, I have good news for you. I have good news in the name called Jesus. Let me consider with you what Jesus did for us. Jesus is another man with S. He is the rich S. He is the glory S. He is the highest. And what we know is that the highest became the lowest all out of love for us. The highest became the lowest all out of love for us. Let me say it one more time. The highest became the lowest all out of love for you and for me. Look at this passage from Philippians. It says about Jesus, he's in very nature God. Jesus is God. But he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He didn't use his est or his er to prop himself up and make others feel bad. No, look what he did. He empties himself. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself 
but become obedient to death, even death on the cross. And the great news is this, dear friends. Though we were bankrupt, we are now rich. Though we were sick, we are now healthy. Though we were imperfect, we are now perfected through that one because the highest became the lowest out of love for us. Your sins are forgiven. You need to know through faith in Jesus, right now you're perfect. Right now, you don't have to be anything other than what he has made you, and he's not looking for anything else. This is the great news of Jesus, our Savior. The highest came the lowest, all out of love for us. You are now perfected through Jesus. This is the good news. And so what we are now is children of God. And maybe you know that. You are right now a child of God. We are the sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus. And we need to talk a little bit about parents' love. All right? Are there any proud parents in the room today? Maybe even proud relatives on Confirmation Sunday, huh? Those proud parents, and truly it's a reason to be uh, proud, right? We're going to hear not only our children confess Jesus, but also commit to following Jesus, even though that's a tough thing to do. That is a reason to be proud, dear parents. I had a proud parent moment I was hoping I could share with you. as a end of a commencement concert, and uh, I got approval to share that with you. Um, uh, it's a video clip of the end of a commencement concert. I just wanted to share my proud par- parent moment. Is that okay? Here it is. Thank you for joining with me in that. And, uh, you know, I'm proud regardless of how she sang or what she did, aren't I? I'm proud if she messed it all up, right? She didn't do that, but I would be proud either way. And, and, and that's just because of our relationship. See, she's my daughter. And so I'm going to be proud of my daughter as long as she's my daughter, which is forever. And that's just how this works. And as a good parent, who am I comparing her to? Who do good parents compare their children to? The answer is no one because of this relationship. The answer is I I love her for who she is. I don't need her to be anyone else. I love them just for who they are. Now, if good parents know what it is like not to compare, let me ask you a better question. Who does our Heavenly Father compare us to? What's the answer? No one. He says perfect the way you are. In fact, I made you for a reason. I like your uniqueness. I like exactly who you are right now. And that's true regardless. That's true regardless if right now in your career you're killing it or you're not. That's true regardless if you're at school and you are popular or you're not. That's true regardless if you have err over others or if others have err over you. He says you are perfect regardless this day. This is the truth that if you let it, it will set you free. 
Because when we go back to these questions and we answer them based on the Father's view, how do I measure up and am I doing okay? The resounding answer is you are because of the Father. You are today everything you need to be perfected through Jesus, through faith in Him. You are everything right now. And yes, we can all work on stuff. But you are perfect regardless. And this is the way free. This is the only way free from the comparison trap. So here's the the fill-in. The Father's view is the only way out of that comparison trap. The Father's view is the only way out. Sorry for the low battery notice. Um... You plan well, anyway. Um, so we got to rush. But no, anyway. <laughs> Ten seconds. Anyway, um, <laughs> the Father's view is what sets us free. Okay? And if we would every time when we see those Facebook posts, and, and maybe, maybe we should even pause from Facebook views. I'm not, I'm not saying it's evil. I'm not saying it's the devil. All I'm just asking you, if you use it regularly, is ask what it's doing to you. And every time you see Ur and you don't have Ur, maybe we would just pause and say, what does my father say of me? What does my father think of me? Right now, is my father okay with where I'm at? And the answer is, he is. But there are practical things we need to consider before we're done. And uh, one of the practical things we need to consider um, is an attitude. See, some of you hearing this, and, and some of us hearing this, may say, okay, because God says I'm perfect, maybe I have nothing to do. Maybe I can just do whatevs, you know. Don't have to care anymore. I love that, you know. Because the Father says I'm always perfect. Is that what God is talking about? Well, let's look at Solomon, verse 5. He says, he speaks directly into this. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. If you could translate it literally, literally the Hebrew says you're stupid. I didn't use the word Solomon did. Stupid is the person who says I don't have to try. Stupid is the person who doesn't work at it. What I find is this principle, that security shouldn't lead to complacency. The security we have in God shouldn't lead us to throw up our hands and say, I don't have to do anything, I don't have to try, all because of the Father's view. In fact, we know this in our world. Have you ever noticed that sometimes people get too comfortable? Don't point fingers, I know it's a family gathering, but sometimes (laughs) families get together and certain people are just too comfortable. And what does too comfortable lead you to do? It leads you to not use your filter. Let's be honest, sometimes you need a filter. It leads you to being a bad house guest. Let's be honest, sometimes you're just a mess. Too comfortable also works in community. When you're in a community, when you're secure, it, it could be anywhere, it could even be in the church. Whenever you're secure, sometimes that security isn't a good thing. That security leads you to be less nice to those who are new. That security leads you to be less outgoing to those who really need an arm or a shoulder to cry on. Too comfortable isn't the goal. Rather, we should still strive to do what God tells us. In fact, Solomon would later say, whatever your hands find to do, work at it with all your might. The same Solomon. So it's not about being complacent. That isn't what we're talking about. But then he sets up a great picture, and we're going to illustrate this. And I've called on two volunteers who I would bring to the stage if they're comfortable. Um, so my two volunteers, we're going to illustrate what Solomon says next. So welcome. Can we give him a round of applause? It's scary being up here. And you can, uh, I'm going to position you right here so that everyone can see you. Position you right here. Awesome. Got Lucas and Colin, our brave souls for today. 
And um, what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to hold some oranges. Now, Lucas, what I need you to do is keep an open palm just like this. So this hand is free. And, and don't squeeze it, but keep it balanced. So you need some balance. You think you got it? And so we're just going to keep an open palm. Put, there, we're presenting now. So you're like Vanna White. Anyway, use the hands. Anyway, sorry. Um, there we go. Very good. Very good. So that, that's Colin. Or that, that's Lucas. Very good. Look at that. He's doing great. Anyway, um, have to hurry. His arm's going to get tired. Anyway, um, you, on the other hand, have two oranges. Now, you don't want an open palm. You want a clenched fist. And so I want you to hold it like this. Okay? Got it? Think you can do it? Here's one orange. Clench. Yep, don't squeeze the orange out of it. There you go. Okay, so what we're doing is we're setting up verse 6. Now, Lucas is our good example. Sorry, Tom. Um, and uh, Lucas, look at verse 6. Better one handful with tranquility. So you are a handful with tranquility. Very good. And it's literally a reference to the palm. That if you read the Hebrew, it's just that your palm is open. It's sitting on the palm with an open hand. And so give us your best smile. Look at that. You know, this is a good one. And Colin, we're going to get to you. Then two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. So Colin, I'm sorry, but you're not having a good go at it. Could you give us our best frowny face? How do we do? Good. And, and, and what happens is this dichotomy of what can happen in, in God's life next. So Lucas right now, he's got an open hand. He's saying with Job, whatever the Lord gives or takes away, the name of the Lord be praised because it's all from him. And he's free with that other hand. It's awesome. And so what can happen with Lucas is I can take the orange out, right? And uh, sometimes I put something worse in. You know, here's stale bread. There you go. But at least he's ready for the stale bread because he's got an open hand. He's like, la-di-da, it's all good from God anyway. It's all what I need. There we go. Okay. And uh, well, I can also I switch it out again. And sometimes it gets better. Here's our uh, Aldi brand Nutella equivalent. Um... There it is. You got some hazelnut spread, man. All because you had an open hand and you were ready for that. And he's still like, I got all that I need. God's good, hey. But look, look, look what happened next. I got, I got the biggest thing and, and your hands are open. So you can sour patch kids, dude. You're in the season, right? You know, and it's just a good season. I got some sour patch kids in my hand because my hands were open. Now, Colin, buddy, I can't give you nothing. Look at this. I try to give you bread. Don't have hands to hold it. I try to give you the Nutella. You don't have hands to hold it. I try to give you Sour Patch Kids, but dude, the honest thing is, your hands are full, aren't they? This is our buddy called the American. The American who says, I got to hold tightly to everything I got right now. Because God forbid I lose a certain scent. God forbid I lose my job. What, what would God do if I lost my job? I don't know. God, hold on. God forbid I, I lose that, that person in my life right now. God forbid I lose some money, right? Because what's going to happen? I don't know. Well, look at what Lucas was doing the whole time. Even when he had stale bread, he had what he needed, and he got some better because he had an open hand. You get it? That was pretty good. Let's give him a round of applause. I'm going to trade you out, buddy. Nope, it's yours. It's yours. So what we find is this principle then. Don't hold on to what you have. Be open for what God might give. There are some who right now are just saying, I need to hold on with a clenched fist for everything because I don't know what God's going to do in the next season. Let me tell you something. He's got you in the next season. You can be open to his will in the next season. You can be open to what he does in the next season as long as you have an open hand willing to accept whatever is best from our God. This is the truth that sets us free, but now we got to close. 
And we need to close by how we look at each other. Because we started on how we viewed each other, and it got pretty ugly, right? We need to be set free from our view from other people. And the only way we're set free is going back to Jesus. Remember that gospel portion that said, He lowered Himself, the highest became the lowest? Paul actually used that same section to give us these words. It was actually words of encouragement for Christians. He said, Do nothing, to go back, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. You know your way out today is to give up the game of her and just say, Yep, people got her. I'm all right. There's her out there. Man, people are talented. They sure are richer. Some are healthier. I'm okay. We can declare that they are Ur. We can stay there, Ur, remembering that we are S. That the Father says right now, you are the holy S. The best. You are everything that is needed regardless of imperfections through faith in Jesus. And this is yours, the truth that sets you free, even if you're just visiting us today. If you don't consider yourself a Christian, we would have you believe that this is the truth because Jesus died in your place. also be open to your will in my life as I strive each day to live for your glory. In striving for you, help me to love others around me and sincerely want what is good for them without any need. Jesus, 